Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. So glad you could join us again this month. My name is Bernie Wagenblast, and our guest this month on ITE Talks Transportation is Toksoma Shakin. He's the director of the California Department of Transportation, better known as Caltrans. Tokes, welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation podcast. Thanks, Bernie. Thanks for having me on. It wasn't that long after you started at Caltrans back in October 2019 that COVID-19 hit. What was it like leading such a large transportation organization during the pandemic? And I'm curious, how did your initial plans for Caltrans as far as the pandemic and what you were going to do align with or diverge from the challenges that you faced in reality during the past year? Thanks for that question, Bernie. I think that's a good place to start off. But before I respond, I just want to thank you for another opportunity to chat. We got a chance to talk on a different platform during the pandemic last year. Mm -hmm. So good to, good to talk to you again. And thanks to ITE for the work that they're doing as well, continuing to promote mobility in the form that they're promoting it, supporting lovable communities um, through the work that they do. So, so thanks to ITE. To your question specifically, it was tough. There's no doubt about it. The pandemic and its toll on our state, as many people know, our state's the largest state in the union. We saw a pretty heavy hit. Initially, we fared very well. We got to a point in the middle of the pandemic where the numbers turned for worse and really sort of picked up uh, before things started to improve again. But it wasn't only the pandemic. It was things like racial injustice, reckoning, uh, the unrest that went along with that, climate change. We had wildfires. We had more than 4 million acres of land burn in the state, the worst wildfire season in the history of California, uh, the economic uncertainty and homelessness that even picked up due to all those things, due to the pandemic and, mm -hmm. and due to the economic uncertainty. So the most challenging period, probably in 80 or 100 years in the state's history, and the same thing for the rest of the country. And leading an organization of 22,000 people, you quickly realize that to succeed, to be able to move forward, you truly need a team that it can't be about you alone as a leader. You're going to need to lean on other leaders in the state, lean on the administration, Governor Newsom's administration, and lean on your own staff and team to be able to move forward and get things done. But what I was really surprised by to your question was how important it was for us to have a North Star already established, a vision, a sense of direction, and not have to develop that through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so we were fortunate that we had already sort of come up with a set of priorities five or six months before the pandemic hit. And so when the pandemic hit, we already sort of knew, look, here are things we're going to stay focused on for the people of the state when it comes to creating a better transportation system. And those priorities, I may have mentioned this before, safety, modality, innovation, efficiency and partnerships, those things held strong. They held true more than ever. We stayed locked into those things. And those those priorities actually helped us 
get through the pandemic. The light shone on those issues but more than ever before. They, they became even more relevant. So we were surprised that, and I was surprised as the leader of the, the agency that um, we, those things were even more important uh, than we thought they were before the pandemic hit. So just a resilient team, very fortunate to have uh, such a team that's so dedicated. We delivered on projects. I'll tell you this just real quick, Bernie. One of the things we did, uh, I mentioned efficiency is one of the priorities. We identified an opportunity in San Francisco to deliver a project because traffic volumes went down by 40% in many parts of the state. A project that was going to take 18 to 20 days, it's called the Alamany Bridge uh, Deck Replacement Project, huge corridor, uh, the 101, that had 250,000 cars on it a day. Mm -hmm. uh, we replaced that bridge deck in eight or nine days and what was going to take 20 days because traffic volumes were down. We were able to close down the majority of the roadway and get that project delivered on budget and way ahead of schedule and saving a lot of environmental impacts. So again, there were so many things that rung true for us through those priorities that we had identified. We're recording this interview at the end of July, 2021. I'm curious, are things pretty much back to normal as far as Caltrans is concerned, or is there still some changes from what it was like, say, back in 2019? Not quite back to normal. That's a, that's a good question. You know, it's been, you know, 18 months or so since the, um, the realization that this thing is hitting us and hitting the nation at levels that we didn't expect. So we're not quite back there. The plan through the pandemic was always that we would try to have at least 75% of our staff teleworking. At our peak, we we had 14 to 15,000 people teleworking. We had to order more than 5,000 laptops, our initial order of laptops, wow. if you can imagine <laughs> what that order was like. But that's what we had to do to get things up and running to shift gears into that mode. We're probably going to be still embracing a heavy teleworking policy for at least the next year or two. We're going to strongly encourage it because we're not completely out of the woods yet. And again, I mentioned how fortunate we were that we were still able to deliver on projects. And so as long as we're meeting our goals in, in many areas and many parts of this department, we're likely going to embrace that. And I think the governor and the administration, our CalSTA agency, uh, they've been supportive of us embracing that telework, increasing telework policy. So not quite back to business as usual, but a few more meetings in person, which a lot of people are excited about. Mm -hmm. Switching gears just a bit, one of the top priorities for any transportation agency, I would imagine, is safety. That's certainly true for Caltrans. You recently created the role of chief safety officer for Caltrans. How do you see this position contributing to safety efforts across the state, as well as advancing your overall Vision Zero efforts? Very important question, Bernie. So I mentioned our five priorities and the fact that number one is safety. One of the first decisions I had to make as far as a hiring decision when I started, four months after I started, uh, hired this position. My predecessor made a recommendation to do so. And I followed through on that and hired a chief safety officer. Her name's uh, Rachel Carpenter. She's an engineer. Why this is so important is I think when transportation entities talk about something being a priority, what I believe we should do 
to make sure that it's truly a priority, if we say it is, is what type of resources are you putting towards it? What types of policies are you lining up to lining up for that priority? And what types of actions are you taking yourself as leaders or managers in the agency to support that priority? Those three things are the things that I would check off and say, okay, you say something's a priority. Let's see what kind of resources you're, that's number one, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of money and what kind of personnel, like those kinds of things. So that was a big decision for me to make right off the bat. It's so important to us because we lead the country, unfortunately, Bernie, in California, with 3,600 on average, people dying on our transportation system every year. That equates to 10 people a day. Every single day, 10 people die on the transportation system. And at least three of those are people who are walking and biking or trying to get access to transit, the most vulnerable users of the system. The trends have been going in the wrong direction lately. And even through the pandemic, the same thing, we saw worsening trends as related to fatalities and serious injuries. So this is a big deal. I don't like to talk about safety in a sense that in a way that it becomes normalized. I really want people to feel the sense of urgency and the sense of shock to this, not only the general public, but our team as well. Like we got to do something. This needs to be different. This can't be business as usual for us. The chief safety officer, that's a big part of her job or person whoever is in that role is to help us get policy shifts that we need, additional resources, design-related changes that we may need to coordinate with the law enforcement community, with the uh, Office of Traffic Safety, which is an external entity like the Governor's Highway Safety Offices and other states, to work on a strategic highway safety plan to get us going in the right direction because we can't continue to trend in, in the way that we're trending. In addition to all your responsibilities with hitting up Caltrans, you also chair the Council on Active Transportation for AASHTO. So you have involvement in that sense on a nationwide basis. And in that role, you've demonstrated a passion for designing and operating our roadways for all users. How have you seen active transportation policy evolve over the past few years, both throughout the country as well as in California? And as a follow-up to that, where have you seen the most progress and where does the most critical work remain to be done? Thanks, Bernie. I've been fortunate for the last um, year and a half, almost two years now, to be the chair of the Council on Active Transportation. Prior to that, for two years, I was the vice chair of that council under AASHTO. You know, like you mentioned, I've, for the last nearly 20 years of my career in this industry, in the transportation side, this has been one of the focal things that I've spent a lot of time on. And I've seen that progress. I think one of the biggest areas that we've seen the progress in is just how it's communicated, number one. When I started in this space in 2000, most people talked about this as mostly just a recreational issue. And they said, oh yeah, you know, those those guys in the spandex and uh, <laughs> help those guys get their little uh, trail things or they can get on the road somewhere. And even for pedestrians, it's like, why would you walk anywhere? Just get in the car and drive. And so it was kind of just seen as this odd part of transportation to today. There's a council at Ashto at an agency that's called the Highway Transportation Officials. They have a council that's focused on these particular modes. 
So things have evolved from this, this sort of side thing to becoming a centerpiece or at the center, if you will, of the work that we do. And uh, along the way, so has policy and funding come a, a long way to support that. The different federal programs and state programs, for example, in our state, our CTC, our commission, I should say, California Transportation Commission, adopted $100 million in additional funding, uh, reserve funding for active transportation. And this year, the governor's sort of amended budget for California, guess how much money is set aside for active transportation? Half a billion dollars, 500 million for active transportation. Mind you, the federal program as transportation alternatives or TAP is a $900 million program for the entire country. Wow. <laughs> so to give you a sense of how much things have changed in California. And I think there's a lot of potential for it at the federal federal level. The Biden administration and with Secretary Buttigieg, they've signaled clearly in some of the funding proposals that they've put out, how much they think active transportation will play a role in mobility moving forward. So we've come a long way. But if you were to ask me, I think one of your questions was, where do we still need help? Where do we still need to grow? I think it's one of the things I mentioned earlier, I think it's safety and I think it's still funding. I think I mentioned this to you before that, number one, the program is called the Transportation Alternatives Program. The first thing I would do if I was if I was king for a day, <laughs> for change the name <laughs> from uh, transportation alternatives to transportation essentials. Mm-hmm. These are essential parts of our networks in rural communities, urban communities, suburban communities. They're essential part of it. Beyond the name change, money. That nine hundred million should be in the billions. It should be at least triple that. We should be spending three to you know, $4 billion annually on making communities and making cities more walkable and more bikeable and more accessible to transit. Funding would need to change and policy and design related issues would need to be improved as well from beyond where we are today to support improved safety. And and I think that's one of the interesting things that you bring up there is you, you mentioned before about the number of pedestrians and bicyclists that are killed on the roadways in California. And of course, that's true across the country. And thinking of those modes of transportation as more than just recreation, but of ways to get about, you know, in terms of improving the environment and things of that sort. But it seems in some places that message hasn't completely gotten through. Do you think that message is getting across to all of the country or is it just some of the country that's embracing these uh, forms of transportation? No, that's a that's an important question. You know, I, I think definitely the, the states and the regions matter. You know, from a state DOT standpoint, you know, I've been fortunate here that, you know, the administration here believes, and you can see by the amount of money that they we're talking about that's being dedicated to this, that they believe in it. And so it's, you know, a little easier for me to make the big pushes and to get out the message about, how important it is as a mode of choice and for us to do more in safety. In other states, maybe not always the case. I mean, and let's just be honest, like you're saying, there's still a bit of a cultural shift, a paradigm shift that needs to happen in some parts of the country for them to say, see how this is an important part of transportation. Now, yeah, there, there are still places where, you know, people see cyclists on the road and, 
they scream at him and get, get out of the way. You know, what are you doing on the road? And, and that kind of thing, not understanding that, no, even if a bike lane is not there, if there's a shoulder there, or if the cyclist wants to be in the road, they have the right to be there. There's more to do there for sure. There's no doubt about it, um, that in certain states, uh, we could do more to enhance safety and talk about this as a transportation mode and not just something that's just, oh yeah, just those people are just wandering around doing recreational walking. Uh, when I first moved to California, Bernie, I, the first, first year, I walked and biked and used rail on almost every single trip that I made, 90%. I occasionally would, you know, use an Uber or Lyft or something, but every trip was a walk, even grocery shopping, walking, mm -hmm. biking, and using the Sacramento rail system. So it can work. It can happen in communities across the country. Tokes, as we were talking, or as you were talking about some of the events of last year, we talked about the pandemic and the wildfires and such, but you also talked about racial justice and some of the things that resulted from that. Your agency established the Caltrans Office of Race and Equity, CORE, to tackle issues of justice and racial inequality, specifically in underserved and tribal communities around the state. And you plan on holding listening sessions around these topics. Tell us a bit more about CORE and what Caltrans hopes to achieve through these listening sessions. You're hitting on all the important questions, Bernie. <laughs> this is a, not a huge issue for us, just like just like safety is. And we're calling equity, issues around equity, a foundational principle, essentially meaning it's, it's a part of our foundation now. And that all the work that we will do, all the work that we will do, uh, will be through an aperture of equity. And it's a big statement. It's a big calling, but I think we can do it. You know, before the George Floyd incident, the unfortunate incident of, in May of 2020, Caltrans has already been doing a lot of good work, a lot of great work, I would say, on equity. I think we had a turning moment to even take things to another level after that, because we couldn't sit around as leaders of this huge entity and do business as usual after seeing that. I mean, mm -hmm. we just had to take a step up. So embedded in our long range plan, embedded in our strategic plan, equity as, as foundational elements, we released an equity statement to guide our work. And with that equity statement, also, there was a framework for equity, uh, the four P's, we call them people, projects, partnerships, and planet. Those are the four P's. And under each one of those four P's, their action items, their milestones for us to achieve to do better work on the equity front. I mentioned the fact that projects and programs is one of the P's. Part of what we want to do is listen to communities more than we've ever done in the past and not with preconceived ideas of what needs to happen when we listen. We need to go with truly the intent of listening. And we've worked with the CTC, the California Transportation Commission, to do six listening sessions in communities uh, across the state to just get their input on what they would like to see, what's happened in the past, what's going on now, and what they'd like to see in the future. So we're looking forward to getting the, a report done and seeing the results, engaging communities in a discussion like this. But this is... Again, a centerpiece, just like safety is, this is at the core of how we will be doing work uh, moving forward. And by the way, the name Caltrans Office of Race and Equity, CORE, very intentional that it's, it is named CORE. We don't want this to be something that's just in that office of you know a dozen people. 
This has got to be something that permeates the entire agency. Our Office of Civil Rights uh, that does the DBE program, they're heavily involved in this. In our EEO division, Equal Employment Opportunity Division, they're also heavily involved in issues around equity to make sure it's embedded throughout the California Department of Transportation. So huge work for us to do here, but I think if we truly approach this work through that lens, the dividends will be truly more lovable and equitable communities. And I think that's uh, one of our biggest callings as a transportation department. Well, Tokes, each time we talk, I feel we've just scratched the surface for all that's going on at Caltrans and all that's affecting Caltrans and such. But it's great to chat with you and and just get an update. Hopefully we can do this annually and uh, (laughs) find out uh, what's going to be going on, say, a year from now. We've been talking on the ITE Talks Transportation podcast with Toksoma Shakin, the director of the California Department of Transportation, better known as Caltrans. Tokes, thanks so much for taking time out to chat with me. Absolutely, Bernie. Thanks again for the, for the great conversation and, and thanks to IT as well. Look forward to the next time.